irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey, Rifters, Keith and Alan here. Before we start the show, we want you to know that this episode of Razor Riffs is sponsored by the LGF Museum of Natural History, which is a nonprofit, 300 f- 300-foot-square-foot upcoming new museum in Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, man, the LGF will have a worldwide natural history coupled with cutting-edge technology What that will appeal to all senses. That's right, Alan. They strive to educate children of all ages. LGF founder Mike Fleeman is dedicating this museum to his late father, Larry Jean Fleeman, who was his inspiration, his motivation to start collecting artifacts for this natural history museum. With your support, LGF can find a home for Larry. Their Stimulok Spinfer, a 67 million year old herbivore from the Cretaceous period, Oh, that's cool. <laughs> it is cool, Alan. Follow them on Facebook at LGF Foundation, Inc. Or to donate, go to www.lgffoundation.org. I just donated 10 bucks, And you grifters can, too, at www.lgffoundation.org. Together, let's build a museum of the future today at www.lgffoundation.org. Now, back to the show. Excellent. That was that was a yeah, LGF. fun. Yeah, it's a great organization. Yeah, that was awesome. That was a fun uh, traffic ride today. Oh. Yeah, we hit it, man. Three o'clock on the San Diego freeway, moving north, trying to use the um, the Diamond Lane, and uh, you know we, we we got here. We, got we here. yeah, we got here. But usually, what happens is I pick you up, and then you drive me while I sleep. You stayed awake today. I stayed awake today. No. It was weird, wasn't it? It was a little strange. Yeah. Because <laughs> there was no snoring in the car. <laughs> but yeah, man. But uh, we got a great show tonight, guys. I, mean, I think so. I, I mean, I, I actually look forward to every Tuesday because it's my favorite day of the week because I love this podcast so much. It's just a party. Yeah, and I love seeing you in that nice mustache you got. I trimmed it today. I know. I thought, I thought, we, I thought you were going out for like this part. You know, I wish I could say that, and I'm just testing this, but I, the mustache is on its way out uh, in another two weeks. Two weeks? Yeah. <laughs> I said, no, I'm not joking. I really, I'm pledging to take it off. <laughs> All right, Rifters, you heard it. Alan Lee has two weeks to enjoy the mustache. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, there's some shaving companies out there. Get on board. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could get Dollar Shave Club to sponsor the show. Oh, no, that's... I do need some razors. Uh, it'll be like, Alan Lee's going to shave it in two weeks. <laughs> we could video that. <laughs> well, we got a great show tonight. Uh, our guest today, um, you guys have seen him from the movie Couples Retreat. He's the star and the creator of the show that was on TBS called Sullivan and Son. Uh, he has a lot of Netflix specials, and he has a Showtime special that uh, just came out in April yeah. called Tell the Damn Joke. Um, he's like also that. performing ten, uh, on Thursday at the Hollywood Improv on Friday night. I'm sorry, on Friday, the Hollywood Improv. Uh, Steve Byrne is going to be calling in. Yeah, that's going to be fun, man, because he's a very interesting guy and he's a he's a comics comic. You know what I mean? 
Like he has all these stories of comedy. Well, I'll tell you, Steve. Uh, get ready uh, to tell your stories because you've got two uh, two people that are willing to listen to everything you say tonight. <laughs> Maybe I'll give you advice on how to shave the mustache. <laughs> well, let's not bother him with something like that. I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but you know what I was um, you know what Jacob told me the other day. Uh, he was telling me that he went. Uh, because he like he uh, does the shooting the guns and stuff in yeah. the desert. Yeah, he was right. telling me that he uh, mm-hmm. he shot a snake or or mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. and like they had to like cut its head off. Oh, you know because I guess like its fangs were still like oh, like, you know it, he was like saying that it's kind of like you know how like when you go turkey hunting you cut off the turkey's neck mm-hmm. and it still walks around. Yeah, that's it's yeah. Right. Yeah, he said that the head still like does a. Uh, Spasms? Spasms. Oh. So I what exactly... I, no, no, I just thought that, that was interesting and scary because snakes scare me. Well, snakes, snakes scare everybody, but I'll tell you, a headless snake uh, is kind of okay. Think really? about it. It's like a headless piece of... Like yeah, a rubber? It's just it can't bite you. Yeah, it can't bite you. Think about that. But the head, the head can. So he was saying that he had to, like... Dig a grave and throw the 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 snake in the head. Oh, that sounds sad. Yeah, uh, I don't like sad stories. It's supposed to be happy. About the snake? Yeah. Well, it's you know it's death and. Oh yeah, well, it's just snakes. a snake. Where are we going with this? The story. No, I'm just telling you a story. I'm just I'm just telling you a story. Okay. Because we're waiting for Steve to call in. Yeah. Well, I tell you, um, I grew up in Texas, and uh, I actually did eat a snake. Uh, a the rattlesnake, and not not because I I, I personally did it. Uh, I was with my fraternity uh, down south the, uh, t- toward the Mexican border, mm-hmm. and uh, we went for a jeep ride. And he he sees oh he sees a snake. The driver sees a snake. My fraternity brother, his name was Fred, and he runs over the snake, backs the jeep up, and says, "That's breakfast." Wait, Fred was your. Fred it was a fraternity brother. You know, we, that oh. was his name. Well, Steve, Steve's calling in. Uh-oh. So let's, uh, let's answer it. We'll, we'll come back to Fred well, later. Okay. Hey, Steve. How's it going, pal? S- Steve? Hello? Yeah, there? Steve, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, yeah. Oh, hey, hey. How are you, buddy? Good. Yourself? I'm doing good. Thanks so much for doing the podcast. Yeah, uh, I hope Steve didn't hear that our our story there and said maybe he didn't want to pick up the phone after he heard our snake our snake. Yeah, we were talking pattern. about snakes. Do you know anything about snakes? Uh, I, I don't. Know that Indiana Jones doesn't like them. Yeah, hold on just a moment. I'm still here. We're having some volume trouble here. I could hear you fine. Is that okay? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, well, that's all that matters. We, oh, hey, Ronan. Uh, this is Ronan, the director. We can't hear the great uh, Steve Byrne. He's calling in. Oh, uh, Steve, are you there? Yes. Oh, that's much better. Okay. Oh, excellent. Thanks, Ronan. <laughs> This is this is a it's weird because like I have a podcast but I have um I have Asperger syndrome so you'd think I'd be very good at managing this stuff but 
I'm not, and all I had to do was hit the volume button. <laughs> it's these things well. that make uh, make podcasting so exciting. <laughs> One little thing like that can just bring excitement uh, into this room very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe? A little volume never hurt anybody, right? No, not not at all. <laughs> but like, it just makes me feel it just makes me feel so stupid because like he literally just hit the volume button. <laughs> well, the good news is your neighbors will never call and complain a noise violation on you, so that's good. <laughs> that's true. Uh, well, th- thanks for doing the interview. Yeah, thank uh, you. You're fr- you're in uh, Hollywood on Friday at the Hollywood Improv. We were just plugging away that Alan and I want to go see you, man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! It should be a fun show. I, you know, I every now and then I get to stay home for the weekend here in LA and get to do a a nice little show at the at the Improv. So it's, it's great because you you know it's you get to do a forty five minute or an hour long set. So it's nice to just kind of stretch out as opposed to going to the comedy store and right. being locked in your fifteen minutes and that's it. So it's nice in my home, you know, in like your hometown, quote unquote, to. Uh, to invite some friends so they can see, like, a full show. Yeah. Right. yeah. I, I don't know if you remember this, because I know you see, like, a lot of comedians and a lot of people and stuff, but I actually met you about nine years ago at the uh, Hollywood Improv. You were with uh, Vince Vaughn, and you were at the bar, and uh, we just started talking, and you were telling me that uh, we got to get, you got, because I was a new comic, you were saying that you got, you should do the comedy store and all that stuff, so... Yeah, well, you're still cracking at it, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm still cracking at it. I don't. It's hard for me to do the store though because you know I just don't have TV credits, but I, I try to do the Laugh Factory and the Improv a lot. You know, there you go. Yeah, the comedy store has changed. I think like the last four years, especially where it's become, you know, it used to be when I first moved here, it was somewhat accessible. You know, you could you could come in. You could say, I, hey, I've done this, or I know this guy, or this girl could vouch for me, or whatever. And it was fairly, you know, somewhat easy to to line up an audition. I mean, you just had to be patient. But uh, but these days, man, with the with the comedy store, it's like sold out on a Monday or a Tuesday, Wednesday, and it's yeah. just jam packed all three rooms. And the comedy the comedy store has never done better. I think so. It's kind of funny to know that nine years ago we met at the Improv. And the improv was probably the big club at the time, you know, yeah, uh, nine years ago. One, yeah. But it's so funny, like, it's cyclical. All these clubs will get their men in the limelight, and then they pass the baton, and, mm-hmm. you know, it mm-hmm. just seems like every two years, one club becomes the hot spot, mm-hmm. and then vice versa and vice versa. Yeah. I think Adam Egott's done a great job with the comedy store, you know, just he's getting all the great talented guys and really polishing you know what i mean so i think that yeah and i think a lot of the guys <clears throat> you know that started at the store kind of neglected it and it's kind of come into this uh i don't know like renaissance period where everybody's coming back and so there's this great infusion of of all the veterans mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that helped kind of establish the club and all the you know guys that are working now currently and then just a bunch of great young comics that are are part of that next wave so it's it's kind of fun to see yeah i you see a lot of uh especially you because you're on the road a lot you see a lot of great comics do you especially on the road do you see like um when you see like great comics on the road do you think that they have the talent to be an la comic like do you get that a lot well i think i, I look i think at the end of the day if you're good enough and you have the really what it comes down to is it doesn't even matter if you're good enough i mean there's a ton of comics i think that are known right now 
and people will go see them at the comedy clubs because they're on a show or they're in a movie. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that they're a better comic. It's just they they are part of a vehicle that has a great outreach. Mm-hmm. And people will know who they are, and there's name recognition with a TV show, and they, and they go see them. So whether you're an average comic, a poor comic, a great comic, it doesn't matter. I think as long as you have the drive and the ambition and the willingness to outwork everybody and understand it's a marathon... And also come to the understanding that you're playing golf. You know, you're not competing against anybody mm-hmm. else. Yeah. You're yeah. competing against yourself. And I think it's those three things that, uh, you know, any young comic needs to understand. Mm-hmm. So whether you move to L.A. or whether you move to New York, I think mm-hmm. ultimately, no matter where you are in the South, the Bible Belt, the Midwest, if you're a young comic and you're in your 20s or 30s or whenever you start, you're going to be broke so you might as well be broke chasing your dreams in one of those two cities than be broke and wonder when you're going to move to New York or L.A. and sit there and say, you know, I'm going to move when I'm ready. It's like, well, you're ready now. Yeah. It's like I'm still so now broke. Because there's all those open mics. There's all those clubs. There's all yep. the opportunities. And yeah. the sooner you get there, the the further along in the race you'll be mm-hmm. in terms of getting started where mm-hmm. it really, truly matters. Yeah. I was I was listening to a lot of uh, interviews you did this week because like I don't like to ask guests the same questions you know what I mean because I think if someone did that to me it'd just be kind of irritating you know so I was listening to oh that's very kind of you yeah so I was listening to questions and then what fascinated me was you said you told a story that you still do open mics and you still practice and stuff and I thought I was like oh my god that's so incredible because you know Steve Byrne you know you're a national headliner you're a rock star and you're still doing that stuff i think that's just very inspiring and stuff oh absolutely yeah i think when you're especially when you're on your on the road like if it's a thursday night and you're like in you know houston for example and you finish the show and then someone's like oh there's this great open mic on thursday nights you should go check it out it goes till midnight it's like well let's go check it out and then you get to go and kind of you know try out new stuff and hopefully maybe somebody will see you and they'll want to come see at the houston improv that weekend but yeah i think you know, when, when people see, especially nowadays, all these hour specials that are coming out on Netflix or Showtime or CISO or whatever it is, it's like if, in order for it to be good, you got to do the work. you got to take a few laps. you got to go to the clubs. you got to hustle. you got to see where it works and yeah. what doesn't work and all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, that's a huge part of it is getting up constantly no matter where the stage is and just working on those jokes. Yeah. I think, like I said, I think that's awesome because, you know, when you're at your level, you're a rock star, and you're just doing it. You know mm-hmm. that's that shows you that you you really care yeah. about the art. You know what I mean, and making people laugh and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, that's incredible. Remember the gig? Yeah, I hope so because especially nowadays, it's like, you know, I had this conversation with Jeff Singer the other day, who works with Just for Laughs, and he was on our podcast, and I asked him about this. I said. You know, Netflix is doing this thing where they're flooding the market right now, I think, with uh-huh. all these hour specials, uh-huh. right. uh, 52 specials within the next, you know, within a year's time. Wow. And then from there, it's just going to keep going, I'm sure. And there's so many comics, I think, especially the last three or four years that have, you know, churned out these hours within a year, a year's time frame. And as someone who does the road, as someone who, you know, my livelihood is just purely stand-up, and I've had a show and everything, but you you got to put the work in. You can't just bang out these hour specials. You Look, you can, but the quality is not going to be there, and I think you're just diminishing the value in whatever, you know, that individual's name is by 
by churning out these hour specials every year to year and a half. And look, I love Louis C.K. just like every other comic, but yeah. it's just like, why wouldn't you wait two years and have a great special instead of, you know, 60 minutes of like, that was pretty good. There, there was a great bit there. There was a great bit there. Why not wait two years and put it together and mm-hmm. then have a killer 40, 45 minutes as opposed mm-hmm. to a good 20 and a good 20. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I totally, I, I totally understand what you mean. Cause like, my my favorite comedian is Norm Macdonald, and I I get the pleasure to open up for him every now and then. And, yeah, and he does. He has so much material, and he just got his first Netflix special. And I said, "Well, are you going to do another one?" And he said, "No, he wants to wait because like it seems like what you say, everyone wants to follow that Louis C.K. thing, but he wants to just make it brilliant. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think why not? You know, and look, I've done I've done four of these. I'm working on my fifth, and. Uh, you know, I got to the point where it's just like the market is so flooded yeah. that to even get like a look, I you know, the last two I've done, I couldn't even get a late night talk show appearance to promote it because they're like everybody's got an hour now, wow. and so I you know even this last wow, one I'm I've neat. been submitting all these sets and yeah you could just say oh well maybe you suck it's like well maybe that is the case I don't know <laughs> but. uh but look, there was a network that was kind enough Showtime to to acquire it, and it's out there. So, you know, I, I'm really proud of that last one. But it just seems like to really have these hour specials stand out. You know, I was talking to Neil Brennan the other day at the Commerce Store, and he said, "Do not film your next hour unless you know that when you put it out, people are going to go." Did you see that hour? Yeah. And I completely agree with him because right now there's just so much. There's too much, I I think, stand-up. And I think ultimately Netflix and these other networks, but especially Netflix, is I think ultimately kind of doing damage to Mm -hmm. Mm stand-up by putting so much out there that at the end of the day, it's going to be the stand-up comedians that feel the blowback and the the repercussions of that. Because I understand Netflix has a service to their customers they got to provide the content and stand up so cheap and easy mm-hmm. you know content mm-hmm. to produce yeah. um but i think when they do it all the industry itself the mm-hmm. industry of comedians is going to be the ones that are going to be hurt and i think it's going to take some time to build it back up stand up will always survive it'll always be there but i don't think it will be ever as big as it is currently and i think maybe we're kind of getting to the point where you might see a slight downturn in it yeah in popularity i know i i totally agree with that it's it's weird because like i shot a special it was a 30 minute thing that I, I sent to comedy central presents because when i shot it that was the thing to do you know what i mean hmm. and now netflix is the thing to do and netflix wants an hour and i'm like oh i don't even have an hour i i only have and on comedy central presents you only need 27 minutes to submit because they only air 22 so, right, right, yeah. So I was just like, oh, I, you know, it's like, oh, that's going to take me a long ass time to get an hour because it, it's hard for me to write jokes and perform them, especially you know, when you're just a f- feature comic who doesn't get a lot of work. It's like, uh, you know. Yeah. But um, I totally agree. I think Netflix right now it's helping comedians, but I think in the future it's really going to like hurt comedians because it's like, well. If you're not good enough to get a Netflix special, you're not good enough to play this club. Well, you know, I was going to ask Steve, does he think that there's a lot of people pursuing it than than before? I'm under the impression that there's so many people that have decided to go into comedy. 
I mean, I thought when a kid was growing up, you know, they wanted to be a policeman or a fireman. Right, yeah. And, you know, oh, Dad, I just decided I want to do stand-up. I find that that's kind of interesting in the sense that I don't recall that many kids that I grew up with that said that. You know you know what I'm saying, Steve? I'm just, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's one of those things and that, you know, you I'm not saying all the do, cool no. things we were exposed to when we were little, you know, astronauts, cops, you <laughs> yeah. know, fire department, whatever, those are the toys you're, you're, you're introduced to, or, yeah. you know, you want to be a Green Beret, you, you know, you yeah. play with a Rambo doll or How something, but nowadays it's like... You know, there's just, everything is so fractured. Entertainment's sure. so fractured. All the different outlets for, right. you know, children's entertainment mm-hmm. is so fractured. You got mm-hmm. Disney you. Junior, you got Nickelodeon, yeah. you got, your, yeah. you know, your Netflix. There's a plethora of mm-hmm. children's shows out there. Whereas before, when I was growing up, it was like, you came home from school, you watched G.I. Joe, you watched Thundercats and He-Man, and oh, then like you went outside and played for a little bit. But nowadays, it's like there's so many different things that kids are playing with. And on top of that, it's, you know, you, all these kids are running around with computers in their hands, too. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I, I think that, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know that many kids grew up aspiring to be standards, but I think once you get to that college age or high school when you're, you know, you see all the clips on YouTube yeah. and stand-up is so accessible now, much more than it ever was, mm-hmm. and... Really, to kind of break through. I mean, you have YouTube stars. These kids mm-hmm. don't even need the vehicle of yeah. stand-up to become famous yeah. or, or to be funny. You can just do it via YouTube. That's true. And so I've noticed a lot of times when I'm touring the improvs especially, you know, you'll go and do a Friday or Saturday show, and then you come to learn that Friday afternoon, like, Miranda Sings was there, and she did, like, two sold-out, packed, back-to-back shows, and all these 14-year-olds are there. And, it, it you know, it's kind of cool, but at the same time, you, you you kind of feel bad for these kids because they yeah. they haven't put the work in. You know, you yeah. gotta you gotta do the time and 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 comedy to sustain it in front of a live live audience for forty five to sixty minutes. It's it it just takes a lot more than doing a fifteen or thirty second or two minute Vine or YouTube or whatever you know gifts or any of this stuff. You you, you got to put the work in, and that's why. You know, when I started in New York City, everybody always said it takes 10 years to become an overnight success in stand-up. And it's so true. And for me, it definitely took a lot longer than that. I don't know if it's still happened yet, but I'm still chipping away. I think it's happened. I mean, I I see you headlining the weekends and stuff. And then I saw when you got Solvents, and I was like, oh, I was like, that's a guy who deserves a show. You know what I mean? Because. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate it. That That was a lot of fun. Yeah. I I also think that you'd be a great, like, Tonight Show host. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I think like the Tonight I think Show. The was years of like you know being plucked from the road are gone because there's all these camps like Lauren Michaels. You know, he's got Fallon doing the Tonight Show. He's mm-hmm. got Seth Meyers doing Late Night, and I think that trend is just going to continue. You know, in particular to NBC, where they're they're going to draft from SNL. Mm-hmm. Um, and why wouldn't you? I mean, there's name recognition there, and then mm-hmm. Kimmel's locked up at ABC and. CBS, they go with the Brit and uh, Colbert, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's uh, it, it's tough. I mean, there's so many late night talk shows now, and and then you think about Chelsea and mm-hmm. go on and on and on. There's all different kinds of outlets now. So I don't know. I mean, right now I'm just I'm so happy doing stand up. I really love the challenge of it. But we I've been working on something for the last two and a half years that I'm literally getting ready to pitch and. Um, and I think I got a damn good shot with it. So hopefully that could uh, that could sway some things because I, I, I've gotten to the point in my career where 
if I'm going to do something, I really want to do something that I'm truly passionate about, that I don't mind going into an office every day, working on something, going, this is, this is fun. I'm really, this isn't work to me. And that, that's, I think that's this next project. Oh, that's my great. God. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, the back to we shall see. Oh, I'm I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Like I like you're one of those guys that like when you see comedy, you're like, all right, that guy that guy's just gonna like they'd be stupid not to put you on on TV and you know what I mean. Like it's just. But uh, back to Alan's question about the kids wanting to be comedy comedians. You have two kids right now, right? Yeah, I got a girl who's five and a son who's uh, almost two. Yeah. Well, I, my question is if your son comes up to you when you're when he's uh, like 10 or 11 and he says uh daddy i want to do exactly what you do you know with that <laughs> you living the comedian's <laughs> life knowing how a struggle yeah. Yeah. how you know it's a struggle does that scare you at all i mean you want him to live I his mean, dream yeah, of course i'd be I, i'd be very scared because i know how difficult it is but you know look no matter what, if he said he wanted to be a doctor, if he said he wanted to be a lawyer, if yeah. he said he wanted to be a musician or an astronaut, it's like any of those fields is going to be difficult. And if you want to be considered one of the best, it's going to be really, really difficult. So, I, you know, my thing with, you know, because I'm a stand-up comic, it's, it's certainly not a traditional <laughs> occupation. Yeah. I've spent the last 20 years of my life fortunate enough to do this profession knowing that at its worst i've been more happy than you know 90 percent of the people i grew up with because i know that they've got to go sit in a cubicle or go to an office and they're miserable so even on my worst day it's still a blessing that i get to do stand-up for a living and the the true like the true impact it's had on my life is that no matter how much is in the bank account no matter how much isn't in the bank account, I'm still happy doing what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately what I want my own children to do, whether it's my daughter, whether it's my son. Sure. I don't care if they don't go to college. I don't care if they do go to college. I just want them to be very happy in what it is they pursue and pursue it to the nth degree because if you're going to do something that makes you happy, I think you have that extra incentive and investment to go even further and work even harder because it's never going to be work to you. So yeah. all this time of stand-up, it's never felt like work to me, and I certainly hope that my kids can reciproc- you know, feel that, that same feeling I've had throughout these last 20 years with whatever they choose to do. Yeah. So I, I think that's, that's awesome. So, the, so in short, the answer is no. I don't <laughs> want them to do it. <laughs> well, that's, that's, Absolutely that's, not. Uh, uh, well, we have to take a quick break for our sponsors, but when we come back, we've got yep. some Twitter questions. Do you like Twitter questions? They're my favorite questions of all the questions. <laughs> the favorite of as all the times. I'm a lawyer, Steve. I'm happy. Right. Steve can't wait. All right. Hey, Rifters, Keith here, just giving you a friendly reminder to thank our sponsors for this episode of Razor Riffs with Steve Byrne. If you would like to visit our sponsors, LGF Museum, go visit them at www.lgffoundation.org. And if you would like to donate to the museum, you could visit them at www.lgffoundation.org slash donate. Together, we could build a museum of the future. Thanks, and back to the show. Boy, I like that. Yeah. I noticed... I like the slogan, Together We Could Build a Museum of the Future. I think that's yeah, that cool. sounds uh, like a mission that will be accomplished. Do you like museums, Steve? 
Love them, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, when I'm on the road, I try to <laughs> that, is that a Twitter question to so? any city and see as much as I can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Museums are so cool. It, it's yeah. it's weird because it it seems like nobody really uh, appreciates the true art that they bring nowadays. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. I think if most people go to the museum, they're looking to uh, to take a selfie and proclaim that they went to a museum yeah, instead of actually like going through and appreciating it. So uh, right. yeah, I, I mean, I truly love museums. I think that you know, no matter what the museum it is, it, it can be inspiring, and yeah. you could you know, you never know what you're going to get out of it too. I think you leave there going with a deeper appreciation or. Yeah. You know, you you want to uh, go buy a book all of a sudden and research yeah. more of it. Um, you know, I, I remember I was in San Jose, and right next to the hotel, they have this great museum of, like, modern art. And I walked in there, and at the time, I was working on my second hour, The Burn Identity, and I saw this piece of artwork that was huge. It must have been, like, you know, like 42 by 64, and it was all just artwork that looked like currency, wow. like American currency. It, w- it was really cool. And so that, uh, I left there going, oh man, I got to come up with some artwork ideas for my hour special in the next week. And so I took a bunch of pictures of this artwork and I sent it to uh, an artist and we drafted something together. And that's pretty much how the cover of The Burn Identity came about. So yeah, you never know what you're going to get out of a museum. Oh, cool. oh my God, that's so cool. You know, Steve. Uh, yeah. So if you look on the, on the, on the side, like the border, it's all, oh, you it's- know, Based off a of currency, it was pretty it's, cool. It's currency, yeah. So it's a frame on the border of the of the uh, po- of the poster, yeah. Of the artwork itself, the art. yeah. It's like framed to to almost look like a dollar bill, and then Ooh. in the middle, I'm holding the olive branch and the arrows, right. and uh, yeah, yeah. it's uh, cool. yeah. It was it was a pretty cool little process to get to go through. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we have we have some Twitter questions, and uh, the thing that. Like we like to call this segment Twitter questions, but I'm thinking about calling it uh, fake Twitter questions because we don't know if these are actual oh. real accounts just by their okay. <laughs> just, just by their names. Like it just seems so bizarre. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, as long as we don't have to send them our email for <laughs> diamonds in Africa, I think we should be okay. Here, right. Here you go. <laughs> okay, so Twitter question from Travis loves Troy. Okay. okay. <laughs> I think that? he means the movie Troy. Yeah. The ah, that, uh, I think that's what he means. That's yeah. what I was thinking, too. Thank you for clarifying that. Uh, Steve, did Dan LaRory ever give you some great Wonder Year stories on the set of Sullivan? Hmm. Yeah, Dan LaRory, uh, you know, he played my father in Sullivan's son. He mm-hmm. he played Kevin Arnold's father on The Wonder Years. And uh, let me just say that Dan LaRory is probably one of the sweetest men you'll ever meet in your life. He is just... A true pro. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I, I, I asked him too many questions about the Wonder Years um, other than stating over and over again that I was a fan. I, I never wanted to be a burden to him. But the, the best, in terms of like thinking about Dan Loria, the first thing that comes to my mind is is he was always so supportive. And I remember the pilot episode, so much is riding on a pilot episode because you hope to God the damn thing gets picked up, you know? Yeah. The reason you pack your, su- your your suitcase and move to Los Angeles is that one day you're fortunate enough to drive on to any one of these wonderful lots and get to make a TV show. So when the dream is actually potentially happening, you know, you're, I was nervous as shit. Yeah. Um, you know, I had written a script with Rob Long. 
um, in every scene. I can't fill up these lines. And I remember the day before we were to film it, we filmed it on a Sunday. So we had Friday off and then Saturday. Well, Friday we rehearsed, but Saturday we had off. And then Sunday we, we had to come in early for a, for a rehearsal. And then we filmed it Sunday afternoon. And um, I remember because I was a producer, I had access to the lot. And I went to the lot, and I went through my blocking for four hours, just over and over again, doing my lines, doing the blocking, to the point where, obviously, it was everything I was saying was extremely rehearsed, you know? Mm. And I remember Dan Loria just telling me, you wrote this stuff. You know it. Just relax. Have fun. Mm. And we did the very last scene where I agreed to buy the bar from Dan, and... Uh, I said something to him. I forget the line exactly, but I'm like, I'm like, Dad, do you want to, uh, you know, you're still going to be around here? And he's like, yeah, of course, son. And and I, I had to go over and I had to turn off the neon, or he turned off the neon light, I think. And it was just like this sweet moment, and I kind of teared up at it, knowing that, A, it's the last scene of the pilot, but I got caught up in the moment with Dan Loria, and I was like, you know, that's that's my dad. Yeah. And I remember I kind of got misty-eyed, and I walked over to him, like, oh, my God, you really got me. He's like, he's like, and now you're an actor because right. you're just in the moment. You didn't rehearse that, did you? I go, no. He's like, remember that. And it was just such a great lesson because all that blocking, all that memorization, it's like you just had to live in the moment. And I didn't rehearse crying. It just happened. And so Dan Laurie, when he said, now you're an actor, I was like, oh. It just meant the world to me. Yeah. And I don't know, I, you know, that was, that was just the minute his name came up, I just had that memory pop into my head. Oh, my God. That's nice. such a sweet story because I took it as when, he, you know, you have a pilot, you don't know if it's gone anywhere, and he says, oh, yeah, I'm still going to be here. That means, like, he believe. I took it as in he believes in your script, you know? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's look, that whole cast was so supportive from yeah. Christine Eversall, who I just saw on Broadway. Uh, you know, you see this woman on she's nominated for a tony and war paint and you go there and i went to see her because we all still keep in touch all of us even though it's been five years um and i went and saw her and she comes walking out and she's you know one of the two stars of the show and the minute she enters the stage you're like that's a star i mean that that's how a star enters the stage uh, you know it's just, yeah. I, don't know, I was blown away and and all i kept thinking was I cannot believe I got to work with this woman. I was so fortunate. And Brian Doyle Murray and Jody Long and then all the young comics yes. and Valerie Azzo and Vivian Bang. Everybody was super supportive. And the greatest compliment from season one to the end of season three is every guest star that ever came by the show always said, wow, it's never like this. Wow. And they, were, they, they meant that as a compliment. Like, everybody here is so nice. Everybody here is so down to earth. And, you know, some, some sets you go to, the cast will break for lunch or dinner, and they go right to their dressing rooms and eat by themselves. Mm -hmm. We always ate like family style. It was great. Oh, wow, that's nice. Cool. All right. Yeah. So uh, Travis loves Troy. There's your answer. No wonder Troy was a long-winded answer. Yeah. <laughs> great answer. Yeah, great. It was I great. Think Travis broke up with Troy by the time I finished that answer. <laughs> <laughs> you still love the answer. Yeah. All right. Uh, Twitter uh, fake Twitter question number two uh, from Beyonce the best. Duh. Okay. Yeah, I was spelled D A, so the no best. Interesting spelling. Steve, what was it like working with God, aka Kanye West? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a story. Um, I. <laughs> my last week in New York City, I think it was like my last week in New York City, 
I was getting ready to move, and I was doing Last Call with Carson Daly. Uh-huh. And Kanye West was the musical performer. I was the uh, comedian. And so we did this show, and this is just before his first album comes out, and there's all this hype about this kid and everything, and everybody's like, this guy's the next big thing. And, you know, I watched him. I was like, oh, okay. It seems like a cool dude, nice tune. <laughs> and then the next next week I get a call, do you want to perform, open for him at this State University of New York uh, college show? And I'm like, yeah, of course. So I go. The show starts at 8. I'm there at 7.30 like a nerd. And, uh, you know, 8 o'clock rolls around. They're like, all right, you want to hit the stage and do your 20 minutes? I'm like, sure. So I go up. I do my 20. I come off stage. They're like, yeah, he's still not here. Can you go back out and do, like, another 15? I'm like, uh, okay. And, and, look, I'm young at this time, so I don't have the material. So I go back out. I do another 15 minutes. And I come off stage. They go, he's still not here. <laughs> Can you go out and do another five or ten? I'm like, I'll do five minutes. And I'm going out. By the way, when I say five minutes, I'm, I'm like asking, what are you studying? Where are you from? <laughs> no material, just crowd work. So I go back out. I do it. I kill some time. I come on stage. They go, he's still not. I'm like, absolutely not. I'm going home. Good luck. <laughs> I leave. Um, and by, the, by now, it's like definitely like quarter to nine or nine o'clock, wow. you know? And the show starts at 8. So I leave. I go home. The next day I talk to my agent. They're like, he didn't show up until 10 o'clock. He did three songs. And he made, I think, 20 times the amount that you made. Wow. <laughs> so it was uh, kind of a harrowing experience. But at the same time, you always knew that he was a diva from day one. Yeah. yeah. Was that your only time working with him? Or did he work with you again? Or did you work with him again? Uh, that was the only time I actually did a show with him. I wouldn't say with him because he wasn't even there. Yeah. But I, I did my part. <laughs> I think he did his part. But, uh, yeah, he, he made a ton of money on that day. I know that for sure. And I did not. And I did triple the work because <laughs> of him. Uh, so, Beyonce, the best, the answer is uh, God was late. <laughs> there you go. That's right. God was late, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess we performed on a Sunday because he did rest. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, fake uh, fake Twitter question number three. Mike says it. Asks, Steve, Doug Benson called you out for not being the for not do, doing marijuana on his show. Did you take that as a compliment or an insult? <laughs> well, I a I love Doug Benson. Yeah. I think he's one of the awesomest dudes. But yeah, I, I did his podcast. He he was kind enough to invite me there. And look, I'm a father. I don't have time to listen to his podcast, so I didn't know. I just see Doug all the time at the Improv. You know, yeah. I didn't know like smoking was a big part of it. <laughs> and I smoked once in college. It got me super tired. I tried it again, like you know, a year or two after college, and I, again, I got just super tired, and I just, it just doesn't work for me. Yeah. I don't like it. Um, and I did a show, and I got, I, I think, <laughs> you know, I could come out in Hollywood as a Republican, and I would get less hatred than what I got from all of his fans. <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought potheads were passive and like cool and laid back. <laughs> These people tore into me. I got oh, called no. the meanest shit what? just because I didn't. It, take a hit from a joint it was like the craziest thing i'd ever i ever dealt with like literally hate mail wow hate mail from it and i was like all right i guess these guys are really hardcore potheads so um i don't know it was a fun experience but yeah i uh, look i'm not i'm just not going to smoke pot it's just not my thing yeah i would totally take that as a compliment though because especially if you don't smoke pie you could be like you know i i would love to do your podcast but i'm not going to smoke drugs with you yeah he said i'm the i'm the all 
I'm the only guest that's ever done a show that didn't smoke. Yeah. So that's not what that is, Badge of Honor. <laughs> yeah, there's a record, yeah. record there for a show. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, if someone does it, does a show and does that exact same move, he'll just be like, you're not Steve Byrne. Yeah, come on. <laughs> you can't pull a burn on me, yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. Can't pull a burn. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, fake Twitter question number four. That was actually a good question, though, from uh, yeah. Mike Says It. And that was actually That's a good a, listener. Yeah, that was actually a normal Twitter name. Anyways, uh, fake Twitter question number four from Hockey Duckman. Steve, you love hockey. Did you ever have dreams of playing pro? Yeah, you know, I grew up... I started playing in Jersey uh, at the age of six, because that's where we lived at the time. And then I moved to Pittsburgh. I think I was nine. And, you know, I moved there right when Lemieux was starting to really ascend. And, um, you know, my high school years were watching Yager. And it was just... It was amazing to get to grow up in Pittsburgh and see you know, this generational talent um, on a nightly basis in the NHL representing Pittsburgh. So it was amazing. And, yeah, I mean, in high school, you know, when I was in eighth grade, I was playing varsity hockey uh-huh. uh, with all the kids in high school. And I was in junior high school, so I was I was always a fast skater. I didn't have the hands. Definitely I didn't have the size. It wasn't until my junior year. I was 5'6 until I was a junior in high school. And then I shot up to six foot by the time I was a senior in high school. So um, I think, you know, I had done some Can-Am tournaments and stuff and had a lot of fun up there. And the coaches would always compliment my skating, but I just didn't have the hand speed. I definitely didn't have the size. And, uh, you know, I think nowadays, you know, these kids are like training to become a pro in eighth grade. So, I mean, maybe if I had that mindset, I could have done a little better. But, you know, I, I think you either got that talent or you don't and i think a lot of those pros know they had the talent at a very young age because i've gotten to become friends with some of these guys that play or, or, or are playing in the nhl and uh it's just such a unique set of skills that these guys have um the, the, the longer the answer is no absolutely not i, I don't think looking back I, I i had what it takes to become a professional athlete yeah it, it's really hard because like professional athletes like if you think about it, it's kind of the odds of making that are even worse than being a stand-up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, look, look stand-up is, you know, I, I was looking at my calendar the other day, and, you know, you think of all the comics that that just work the improv comedy mm-hmm. clubs, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is kind of a select few, and I've been doing it for a good decade now of headlining the, you know, like the A-rooms in the country. So, you know... There's 52 weeks in a year, so there's probably 50 to 60 comics that get to tour the country over and over again and stay relevant. And I, fortunately, am one of those guys that uh, that have persevered. I'm one of those salmon that have swam upstream, but it's taken a lot of work to do it. So I never made it as a professional hockey player, but I certainly have made it as a professional comedian, and I'll take that any day because it's a hell of a lot more fun. Yeah. You got it. Uh, so you got it. Well, we have one last uh, fake Twitter question. If you, you want to take it. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is from uh, ex-manager Rush 4-1. Is that an O or? four one O. We'll just say four one O. Okay. Steve, who is your favorite comedy club manager? Was it me? I don't know what that means. Oh, God. Does it, it, wait, what, does it say his name? No, no. It just says his 
What? It just says his screen name. Okay. Um, my favorite comic club manager. Jeez, huh. I mean, there's been so many over the years. Yeah. But what? I, you know, because I don't know who this person is, I would say, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but if I have to think about it, I mean, there's two that definitely stand out to me, and that's uh, uh, Tony, who who runs the Chicago Improv, uh-huh. and Nick, who runs the Cleveland Hilarities. These guys are old school. Um, you know, when you hear about how, like, the old casino bosses treated entertainers in Vegas back in the day, yeah. um, before things got so corporate, that's how these guys treat you. Um, and I really can't thank them enough. Uh, you know, over the years, they've they've been so supportive and kind to me. So I think Cleveland out of hilarities and uh, Chicago improv, those guys are, are truly the best in all my years of doing stand-up. Uh, other than, like, the clubs in New York City that I, I w- worked all the time in L.A., but those are different because those are, like, city clubs, you know? Yeah. So you're just kind of in and out doing your sets every night, but you're spending a weekend with these people in their clubs and getting to know them, especially over after all these years, and I, I really appreciate the relationship that has uh, come to fruition um, with, with both these gentlemen. Well, um, hopefully one, that guy was either Nick or Tony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Steve, thank you so much for the interview, pal. I really appreciate it. I know you're yes, busy. Yes, Steve, that, it's fantastic. Oh. Uh, you, uh, you're so generous with your information, and it's believe me, it's not falling on deaf ears. <laughs> Oh, well, hey, I appreciate getting to spend the time with you guys. I wish you guys all the best of luck, Thank and hopefully we'll, we'll see each other out there on the road. Uh, do you have anything where the folks can find you, Twitter or Facebook, or which one do you prefer? Yeah, everything I have is Steve Byrne Live. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, my website, everything is Steve Byrne Live. And, uh, yeah, my newest hour special, Tell the Damn Joke, the is damn out joke. on Showtime right now. You can stream it. And, um, and I have a, a documentary I just wrapped up on The Amazing Jonathan oh. that should be coming out within the next year to year and a half so I'll start tweeting about that a hell of a lot more and giving information about Fantastic. it but uh, it's something we're kind of in the final stages of editing and uh, we're going to get it out there soon awesome great well if Ellen and I are free we're going to come by and uh, support you on you Friday do that uh, awesome thank you so much guys I appreciate it have a good one All right, thank, thank you Steve, Steve. alright later guys bye take care all right, that was Steve Burnham, man, yeah, the nicest I, uh, guy. Uh, I'm telling you, I just sit here and I'm absolutely amazed at the generosity of information that all our guests, and here's another one, you know, I, I learned. I thought that that last Twitter question was so kind of weird. Uh, we want to repeat that because I, I, it was about the management. Yeah, like you, you well, should have said run, his that, na- run that by me because oh. it was a little... He should have said it. He should have said his name. So like Steve could like the name. Uh, like you want his to read name. That? Oh, you want me to read the the, the question? Yeah. Oh, uh, it says Steve. Who was your f- favorite uh, comedy manager? Yeah. Okay. That so I don't know. I don't know if that's taking a comedy club manager. So that you know. He didn't say club in the question. He just said comedy manager. Yeah. He, what, said what club, he said club manager. Oh, yeah. interesting. But it's well, weird because, like, you would think he'd say a name so Steve could be like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. Well, we don't know who this guy is. Is he another well, comic? obviously or, it's know? Troy or Nick. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been Troy or Nick. There you go. But that well, was great, guys. Uh, Steve Byrne does have a um, 
new Showtime special called Tell the Damn Joke. It's on Showtime. Yeah. It's streaming. It's very funny. Showtime. He's also going to be at the Hollywood Improv on Friday That'll night. Friday night. Uh, I really want to go. If, you know what? Let's let's see if we can we can make that. That's Friday night. Yeah, this Friday yeah, night. See, I leave Saturday. So that's where, where are you going, Alan Lee? Well, I'm going to New York City. Uh, Alan Lee's going to New York you got City. Got it, man. You got it. The Big Apple. And what uh, am I going to do here? Well, I don't know. You're going to see Ken, uh, Troy and uh, and what's the other guy? You're going to hang out with them, I guess. Troy. And Who's going to be my trusty sidekick? Well, I don't know. We've got Ronan here. We've got Sam. We've got Sheena. I definitely need Ronan. All you had to do uh, was yeah, hit the volume. Yeah, but. the volume. We did that again. Uh, that happened. Did it ever happen before? I can't remember. It probably has happened before. Yeah. Well, you but know. You know, they don't explain it. They don't say, Keith, okay, if you have a guest calling, I make sure you hit the volume button. Like, I assume it's already volumed up. It's, it happens. No yeah. big deal. I'm sure that... Uh, it hurts being a blonde sometimes, Alan. You know a what dumb I mean? blonde or smart blonde? Just a dumb blonde? You're a smart blonde, though. I like you. Look at you. This is crazy riffs. You're a smart blonde. And again, ladies and gentlemen, I am a heterosexual, and Keith and I are, frick, are friggin' friends. Oh, God. Uh, here we go again. You did that joke at the very first. We did that at the first show with this blonde thing. With, and with, I started it. With Angelo I'm the one. I'm the one that brought it up. I said, oh, he's a beautiful blonde. It's just a joke. Uh, I don't know, because I'm the one who started that, not you. <laughs> Really creepy. Yeah. Well, well, that was Steve Byrne, guys. Again, if you want to follow him on the Facebook and on yeah. Twitter, it's Steve Byrne Live. Absolutely. Um, you know, he has big projects. He, he's a superstar. He's, he's, he's the type of guy who's just going to keep going up. Well, let me tell you something. Considering how hard it is for me to do open mics, uh, I was I didn't want to. You know, I was so quiet. You know, that was amazing. You know, that's how quiet I was open when he mics, talked about though. that because I didn't want to even go there. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But that was amazing. <laughs> oh yeah, no, God. you know, the idea that he said that you uh, have to work hard. At, you know, I'll tell you something. That question about uh, saturation comics that are having all these one-hour uh, specials, that right. was good. You know, you remember how you you you, you uh, punched that up, and he answered it. He you know, answered was, everything. I thought that was a hard question. Yeah, it was. Did, what I, did you think? You think that was uh, was a little bit? I, I mean, it was a great great answer. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I mean, he. I'm not he, in the position to it. say if it's a hard answer or he not. He nailed it. That's not. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he yeah. did awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, so Alan Lee's going to be in New York for yeah. the next t- two weeks. Uh, no, just uh, maybe a week and a half. A week and a half. Yeah, and then I'll be I'll be here again and. Uh, Okay. We'll see how that goes. You know, I might try to do some stage time. You should. You're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. My mother actually wants to go to an open mic with me, and not to see me, but she said she wants to go on stage. I couldn't believe she said that. I was in shock. You should do it. You, what do you think? Do it. Do it like Steve. Do, I'm going to go with yeah. my mom, and, and my mom wants to sign in with, with the rest of the comics. I... I you should, yeah. You, you should, think? Yeah. Well, you're I, very nice. I think you should write her an act. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm Alan. Uh, she could, her first no, joke you know could what? be like, I'm Alan Lee's mother. He's the host of Raise the Riffs. Oh, there you go. Uh, plugging the show. Plugging the show. She you know, but she doesn't want to do that. She wants her own material. Uh, okay, well, Alan Lee, that's what you're doing. I'm actually, what are you doing? I'm actually headlining the OC Stillhouse on. Fr- actually, I can't go on Friday because that's the 30th. That's when I'm doing my show. Oh, sweet. So, yeah. you, you know, you've got a show. I'm headlining the OC uh, Stillhouse on Friday night. Okay. Tickets are $10. It's in Anaheim. It's Still, a bar. The, the Stillhouse. The Stillhouse, yeah. Oh. I'd much rather go to the Improv and see Steve. <laughs> but, what, you know, well, i got to do you know, stuff for 50 got, bucks, you right? You have to, like, make money as a comic. You can't just 
go see other comics all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm also doing the headline, The Ranch, uh, on July 5th. Where, where's that? That's in San Miguel. That's one of my nice. favorite rooms. You like that room. I love that room. It's, it's weird because they never call me back, and then they call me back. They say, hey, can you do the show the day after your birthday? No. Just <laughs> like a woman. I was like, sure. And that you love you love her and did you know yeah. at the last minute San Miguel yeah the, fantastic the ranch. You, you, the ranch we went up there I'm trying to yes yes it's coming back to me because you know I was actually confused with the time you were so sweet you took me you know I, I, to San Bernardino to that yeah. remember Sam's and, giving us the light so you light. put me up yeah. I never forgot that. That's because I love you, Alan. Oh, Lee. boy. Here we go. I love you, too. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, you can follow me on <laughs> Facebook, uh, Keith Reza. Uh, also, the show, uh, rate and review on iTunes, Reza Riffs. Please do. Uh, follow us on Twitter, like yeah. our fan page. And again, one more time, uh, very thank you to our sponsors, the LGF Museum. Uh, just giving you a reminder, this episode was sponsored by the LGF Museum. You could give them a visit at www.lgffoundation.org, and you could donate what you can to help build a museum of the future at www.lgffoundation.org. So thank you guys very much for listening to the show, and uh, if you can donate to help build this great museum, uh, go to www.lgffoundation.org. And together we could build a museum of the future today. I'm Keith Reza, and thank you very much. See you guys next week. You're listening to Reza Riffs with Keith Reza and Alan Lee right here on L.A. Talk Radio. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, write, and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback. Good, honest, terrible, doesn't matter. Also, follow us on social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Razor Riffs. I am also on Stereo if you would like to chat with me there. www.stereo.com slash and on Cameo, www.cameo.com slash KeithRaza. If you enjoyed the show, please send us a donation on the Anchor app. We really do appreciate it, and we'll rift with you again soon.